Good morning everybody and welcome to another service online for SBC, Stableford Baptist Church. Uh, you're more than welcome, uh, however you're joining us this morning, this afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're watching, uh, for a big welcome from us and uh, we're, we're heading in the right direction aren't we? Hopefully we're going to be out of lockdown uh, within the next few months and to be able to meet back in the building. Uh, for those of you that have uh, been passing it and seeing it, I know that you think it's looking great. Some of you have shared that with me and uh, I'm really pleased about the way that it's gone. Um, a lot of people have done a lot of hard work for that, so we're looking forward to that. And we look forward to being together, don't we? And having that opportunity to meet in the building and to, to, to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus, to praise and worship him and through him our, our great Father God by the Spirit. Um, we're going to do that this morning. Um, obviously not together in that way but uh, hopefully still together in the sense of uh, that sense of community as we're watching this we've got some songs um, to think about we're going to be continuing our series in 1 Peter we're in chapter 3 verses 13 to 22 if you want to look that up and have that ready for when the bible reading comes up a little bit later on then please do find that in your bibles I'm going to pray and then we're going to head into the service so let me pray father we do thank you for this opportunity again that we have of being able to come into your presence and praise and worship you and we pray that you would make yourself known to us we pray that you would speak to us through your word we pray that you would help us as we sing our songs of gladness as we lift our hearts up to you may we truly worship this morning we pray in Jesus name amen okay god bless and I'll see you soon Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sinners, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proc proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, <clears throat> to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. It only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. <coughs> and this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience before God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whom has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers 
in submission to him. So you've got your Bible open at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be thinking of those last verses together. And, you know, as we see the world changing around us, it feels like it's changing at quite a rate, doesn't it? Uh, very fast. And as Christians, sometimes we can feel a bit lost, uh, a bit old fashioned, maybe like we belong to a different time uh, with all the things that have happened in, in, our, in our culture, in our society that have happened over these last few few years really um, I mean longer than that as well but certainly these last few years we've moved from being a majority to a minority over a, a longer period of time uh, many have dismissed what we believe um, without really engaging with it um, I'm, I think back to when I became a Christian in, in 1990 um, and society is is very different it's changed tremendously since then and that can feel a bit bewildering for us we can wonder where we are we can feel I don't know maybe irrelevant um, we can struggle to know how to relate to the world around us it can be a bit of a challenge but Peter makes two points in this particular passage that I think help us I think they helped the first church back then which was in obviously a bit of a different situation to what we are now but it was uh, still a group of people that were were not the majority by any stretch of the imagination were a minority and, and were seeking to live for God's glory and seeking to please him and when Peter writes to them as we've been looking about looking at and thinking about in this letter he writes to try and help them to to continue to live out their Christian faith in that culture and so I just want to pick out two points today followed by an illustration I think that's what Peter does as we move through this passage I think he gives us two points followed by an illustration and the illustration is, is of Noah he uses Noah as you picked up in the reading and he wants to help the Christians that he's writing to um, not to not to um, be fearful that's that's the first thing I want to think about he, he's writing to the, to these guys and he's given them lots of encouragement so far and lots of teaching uh, but he, he doesn't want them to fear when when the culture is not where they want it to be if, they, if, they, if the, the culture is hostile, if that's the right word, that maybe sounds a bit strong. I don't mean, I don't know, maybe for some people it doesn't sound strong at all. But, uh, you know, when we're living in a hostile culture, um, then don't fear. Don't fear. That's the first thing that we're going to be thinking about. And then secondly, when we live in a hostile culture, we still need to proclaim the gospel. How do we proclaim what it is that we know to other people? So just those two points. So the first one, how not to give in to fear in a hostile culture by hostile i mean one where christianity isn't sort of generally accepted and that that's happening more and more isn't it now it's a mixture of course i mean I, you know i can still go to schools thankfully which is great um well not going at the minute doing videos for assemblies and things and uh be able to teach i don't know how long i'll go on for i don't know how long it'll last we think it's a real privilege at the minute and, and we keep to trying to build a relationship with schools so that we can do that um, but it feels like that the Christianity is getting squeezed more and more and more and the culture is becoming more hostile so one where Christianity isn't generally accepted um, I mean it wasn't in Peter's day that's for sure isn't it um, it, it wasn't at all it was something that was new the, the exiles he's writing to have started to live with different priorities for different things not just for the world around them, but they've realised and understood something deeper 
they've come to know Jesus and, and Jesus once we come to know him starts to change us and get to work on us and that's what's happened to them some of the things that they did before they, they no longer want to do and then that becomes a challenge to their friends to their family in the workplace uh, and at times that can bring suffering uh, and that can bring um, contention we can suffer for being Christians when the culture around us is not Christian and Peter's very honest about that but look at how he starts I think it's interesting how he actually gives us some hope <laughs> to start with he's not all doom and gloom he's not oh yeah it's really tough but you've just got to keep going actually he doesn't say that but right at the beginning he says look who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good and this is linked to Psalm 34 which is at the end of the last section we were looking at verses 10 to 12 of this chapter last week we were thinking about that a little bit and where he's extolling the good life setting it before them whoever would love life I love that little phrase I said that last week you know and then he moves on doesn't he, he says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous God sees you know God is with us God is in our midst and he's with us and that is one of the great encouragements that we have isn't it of course knowing that God sees and he says who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good you see generally that's the right way to live that's the, the right thing to do now it's a truism it's not a promise it's not saying you know if you do the right things then everything's going to be absolutely rosy that's not the promise it's it's a general truism like the proverbs are set out you know generally if you do this this will happen and if you do this this will happen not not always but often so if we're, we're wanting the good life we're doing the, the right things the good things then we should be generally okay but but not always hence this next part you may suffer if you do what is right if so you are blessed so don't be afraid don't be frightened you know, if you go through some suffering, if there's some issues and some struggles with other people because of your Christian faith, don't worry. And if they start to threaten you, don't worry about that either. In fact, consider yourself blessed. And you might think, well, yeah, fat chance. But actually, that can happen. And that does happen. I'm just telling someone not to fear doesn't normally work. Say somebody, you know, well, don't be afraid of that anymore. It doesn't work does it they, they need help they need to understand why they shouldn't fear some sort of transformation has to take place for that to happen and for that we can look at Peter's own experience you know when when Jesus was arrested I'm sure you remember the story when Jesus was arrested Peter fled didn't he after declaring his undying love and loyalty to Jesus as soon as he's arrested Peter's gone out there and he gets asked if he knows him and he denies him and we see that in the gospels he denies him doesn't he? he's frightened by those who threaten him exactly what he's telling us not to be here and so you might think well you know i don't want to listen to him i mean he, he was off he was gone why should we listen to him well because he went through a transformation he was transformed you carry on reading certainly in john's gospel the last chapter of john's gospel john 21 we find that 
Jesus is alive, he's gone through the whole thing, he's, he's been killed, and yet God has raised him from the dead, he's resurrected, and he finds his disciples. And in John chapter 1, they're eating breakfast together on the beach, and Peter is forgiven, reinstated, and recommissioned, and sent to go. And then we skip forward a little bit, and if, if, if you're in John chapter 1, let's just skip forward a few, couple of pages, really, and you'll get to Acts chapter 5. And in Acts chapter 5, we find that the apostles are before the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the Jewish rulers of the day. And we're told in chapter 5 and verse 40, they called the apostles in and they had them flogged. They weren't happy with them that they'd been telling people about Jesus. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the important thing for us here, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You see, when Peter writes these words, he's lived them. That's what he's saying. You're blessed. See yourself as blessed if you suffer for Jesus. See yourself as blessed and don't fear their threats. I wonder if he could remember what it felt like to have those whips going across his back when he wrote these words to the exiles. Peter was one of these apostles. He considered himself blessed and he did not fear their threats. Then suddenly you think, I want to listen to what he's got to say. Not only because he's been through that, but because of what he did before. And he's been through that transformation, hasn't he? He's turned from someone who fled to someone who rejoiced in suffering. I don't mean because he suffered, but because he, because of Jesus, he, he suffered. And, and therefore he thought, you know, that's, that's good. That's good. Counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You see, what had happened is this. He knew that Jesus was alive. And that changed everything. He had defeated death and given Peter hope beyond the grave. You know, Peter's problem, I really do think, when Jesus was arrested, was he thought it was all about this world. How Jesus was going to come and overtake and, and kick out the Romans. And now he's realised it was so much more than that. It was so much deeper than that, so much bigger than that. This, his best friend, Jesus, defeated death. And Peter knows that within his heart and he has this hope within his heart. And you know, once that grasps you, once you get that and you understand it and you do what Peter says next, you revere Christ as Lord in your heart, then that drives out fear. That drives out fear. Not just being told not to fear, but like Peter does here, revering Christ as Lord in your heart. That's what he does. And you know, that's the lesson that we all need to learn. We can all be like the first Peter, but we need to be transformed to be like the second Peter. By Jesus, by an understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. And we don't have to, we don't have to fear in a hostile culture. It's the first thing. Secondly, he says... How to proclaim the gospel in a hostile culture. I love this. It's a little bit of like a how-to thing, isn't it? There's a list I've got three or four things. First thing, be prepared. How do you proclaim the gospel 
in a hostile culture, number one, be prepared, know what you believe. So when opportunities come, we know what we want to say. Now, look, you don't need to have a full, fully worked out, complete theology of every particular thing, but you need to know that Jesus has died for you and it's affected your life and therefore you can tell other people about it. Know what it is that you believe. Know what it is that has happened to you. Be prepared. Sen secondly, be gentle and speak with respect. You know, always remember we're trying to win the person, not the argument. Try to help them to understand what it is that we've come to understand for ourselves. Who Jesus is and what he's done. That's what we're helping them to see. Let's just think for a minute why why we might not be gentle and why we not we might not treat people with respect because sometimes we can be like that can't we you know we can get rattled for example if if someone says something against a deeply held belief or or if someone appears arrogant or or makes us feel stupid sort of puts us down you know the hackles can can start to rise and we can forget gentleness and respect and become protective well or whatever I don't know how it is with you. We need to be careful. If someone challenges us and there's something we don't understand, go back to number one. Be prepared. Go back, just prepare yourself a bit more. Don't get caught out by that question the next time. This is how we grow as Christians, isn't it? We we engage with somebody and they, they, they look at it from a different angle to us or how we've seen it before or they throw something in and it feels a bit like a bomb. And we think, oh no, hold on a minute, that feels quite big. You have that experience and you think oh you know i'm not sure well your whole faith doesn't have to fall you just think okay well let me look into that you haven't got an answer right there and then that's fine let's look into it think about it there's maybe a book on it or there's something online or you can get in touch with me or whatever and we can think or someone else that you know within the church that may have faced this you can pray about it and then you're ready so the next time something like that comes up, you say, ah, yeah, but have you considered? And that's a helpful thing to do, isn't it? It's how we grow. We don't want to get caught out the next time. And then in conversations, you see what Peter says here, keep a clear conscience towards God. You're being honest, truthful, saying the right thing in the right way. If they speak maliciously, don't do the same thing. As Peter reminds us again, it's better to suffer for doing good than evil. And then very helpfully, he gives us that reason for the hope. Have you ever noticed this before? He tells us to have a reason for the hope. And then the first half of verse 18, he really just puts it in a nutshell for us. And he gives us it. Just know this. Know this. Christ suffered for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous was Christ to bring us to God that's the hope that we have and it's in a sense that it's very basic that is the hope that we have that Christ the righteous one died for us who are unrighteous and through that death if we trust in it and we trust in him we can be brought to God hallelujah yes it's true that's the hope that we have that will take us through death. That's what he gives for us. We don't have to fear in a hostile culture. Let's revere Christ as Lord in our hearts. 
We know how to continue to reach out with the gospel in a hostile culture. Let's be prepared, do it with respect and gentleness, having a clear conscience towards God. So they are the two things that I think Peter's trying to teach in this bit. And then what he does is he, I think he gives us an illustration of somebody else who's done that. Gives us an illustration, verses 18b to 20, and it's the illustration of Noah. Now then, this is what two respected Bible commentators say on these verses. First is a recent one, Don Carson. He says this, this is one of the most difficult passages in the whole of the New Testament. <laughs> and this is what Martin Luther said in the 16th century, the 16th century reformer. A wonderful text is this, and a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the New Testament, so that I do not know for certain just what Peter means. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Where are we going to go with that? Let me help you out, fellas. I'm only joking. Let's try and think about it, shall we? Let's try and think about what's going on here in these verses. They are a little bit obscure. They are, do sound a little bit strange. Um, how are we to take them? What do they actually mean? Well, I've tried to find wisdom from different places uh, and look at different things. And there are different ways through this passage. Let's, we've got to say that. We haven't got time to, to, to list what they are and pick the best. The commentaries do that. If you've got a commentary on 1 Peter, then you'll be able to find that. But, but I've, I've gone with this particular one because I think it, it treats the passage in the context of what we've just been looking at and what we've been thinking about. So not fearing a hostile culture and how to continue to proclaim in a hostile culture. Peter is speaking to the minority, exiles, wanting to remain true to the Lord in the midst of their culture and helping them to encourage them in sharing their faith. The people that they're talking to have got a different worldview. They see the world differently. Now let's think of an Old Testament saint that might be held up for us in that same situation. Somebody who stood against the tide. Somebody who stood there when it seemed as though everybody else felt differently. Well, you don't have to think for too long, do you? You go, you go to Noah, don't you? That's what he did. He was seeking to be righteous when all around were evil. He had to do the right thing when everyone else was doing the wrong thing. So here's the example that Peter goes to. Let me read to you verses 13 to 17, this passage today. And imagine that these words are to Noah. Now, instead of saying Christ, because so, I think that confuses a bit when we go before, but instead of saying Christ, I'm just going to put the Lord. Listen to these words. Imagine that they're being spoken to Noah. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, revere the Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour and the Lord may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Noah. It fits, doesn't it? 
you think of, of, of somebody saying these words to know in this particular situation they they fit it makes sense he's got to do something incredibly difficult he's got to build a boat people are going to laugh at him people are going to wonder why he's doing it he's got to have a reason for the hope that he's doing it and he's going to be able to say well because god's going to send water on the earth and it's going to flood and this is the only place for refuge and safety and they would laugh at him and laugh at his hope but he had that hope we see how it fits he kept going and he was saved so that's the first thing that noah fits the context so peter uses him as an example for us secondly now we're going to get a little bit involved make sure you've got your barbers open and you can see the words in front of you just to try and pull out what's going on next and i want to sort of answer this question what what does in that state he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits mean now there are different views i said on this and, and you can look them up but i think really the key to understanding this is the end of verse 18. so the beginning of verse 18 we've just been given a nutshell of the gospel the end of verse 18 peter says talking of the lord jesus of the lord jesus christ he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit now i think what he means here is this the contrast between body and spirit is the contrast between the temporary and the eternal he was put to death in the body which means here in the earthly realm if you like the here and now that we experience he was raised to life in the spiritual sense now that don't mishear me that doesn't mean it wasn't too many negatives a, a physical resurrection it was a physical resurrection peter knows that he had breakfast with jesus on the beach john 21 as we thought about earlier but it wasn't just a physical resurrection it was more than just a physical resurrection because he ascended to heaven not long afterwards didn't he so resurrection the other side of death now again you might think well that's what resurrection is it's the other side of death but not in the sense that lazarus was raised or jairus's daughter they were both raised but they went and they died again because they were raised this side of death in a sense they were raised this in the earthly they were raised in the body they went to death in the body and they were raised in the body jesus went to death in the body but was raised in the spirit the other side of death they will die again jesus will never die again jesus has defeated death he's raised up to the eternal raised in the spirit do you see so it's this difference between the earthly and the heavenly or the temporary and the eternal We could say the spiritual the spiritual realm so then as we take that if we've understood that and we go into verse 19 we see that it's in that state in that spiritual state the eternal state he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits so in a sense peter is saying he's where he was before you know, Jesus came to die, didn't he? Well, he came to live as well. He came to live and he, and he came to die. 
but he came from somewhere from the eternal realm from being right at the father's side from eternity he stepped into time into this world into earth into creation and he came and he died but it existed before and then, and then he's raised from the dead and he goes back to be with the father is in that same realm again in the spirit so i think then the next bit of verse 19 he made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits verse 20 to those who were disobedient long ago when god waited patiently in the days of noah when the ark was being built means that jesus went and preached to those who are now imprisoned but he went and preached back in the days of noah in other words in the days of noah Jesus, by his spirit, was speaking through Noah when they disobeyed those people. Now, you might think that's a little bit far-fetched, or you're not sure, but just go back to chapter 1 and verse 11, where Jesus, uh, Peter says this, trying to find the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of these things who's he talking about thanks benji he's talking about the old testament prophets so the spirit of christ is in the old testament prophets so the spirit of christ was in noah proclaiming to those who were disobedient then imprisoned now Okay, fair enough, you say. Why? I mean, why? Why, why put such an obscure uh, text in there? Why, why do it in that particular way? Why does he say that? Because that is exactly how Jesus is doing it now. That's what's happening now, isn't it? When we make the most of the opportunities that we're given, Jesus, by his Spirit, is speaking through us to people, just like he was in the prophets in the Old Testament, just like he was back with Noah in the Old Testament. We live in a hostile culture. Noah lived in a hostile culture. Noah had disobedient people around him. We have disobedient people around us. Jesus spoke then from the eternal realm by his spirit through Noah. Jesus speaks now from the eternal realm by his spirit through his people, me and you. That is the illustration. You know, I think actually, if you if you get that, rather than this being a, a verse of contention, Peter's way here is to encourage us. We're still linked with Jesus. We know we are, don't we? But we are. This is what he's teaching here, like Noah was back then. Jesus is still working his purposes out. And I think that makes sense in this context. That's what's convinced me. As I said, there's other ways and you may find a different way through it, but I think that makes sense here. Now, that's it, really. But then it's not it, is it? Because there's a little bit left <laughs> at the end. But we, we, we want to think about not fearing in a hostile culture, continuing to proclaim in a hostile culture. We've got the example or the illustration of Noah, who didn't fear in a hostile culture, continue to proclaim in a hostile culture. We know that God was working in him, Jesus working through him by his spirit, the same with us 
today we've got all of that but then peter goes off on one again doesn't he and and, in, and this is what he does and this is why i find you find it so difficult it, it, because it's you know onto another thought and, and we just need to deal quickly with this last thought that he goes into at the end of the chapter because another idea has gripped him he, he, he starts to talk about baptism doesn't he and about how noah was saved thinks of how we he was saved in the boat surrounded by water but then he makes this link and he says that he was saved through the water and we think well i don't think he was saved through the water because he didn't go in the water so how can he be saved through the water and i don't understand what the imagery is here well let's think about it like this shall we let's think about the story everybody who wasn't saved wasn't saved through the water effectively so it could well be that noah's salvation is from the wicked and disobedient people and if that's the case Noah is saved from that generation that wicked and disobedient people through water that makes sense then doesn't it because it's the water that removed the disobedient people their removal is Noah's salvation he was saved from them through water as the water removed them and acted as a kind of cleansing for him and his family and then when you think about it, when the water recedes and they come back onto the land, they have a new start, a new beginning. So there's a, there's a fresh imagery here for baptism. That's the link, isn't it? We are saved through the waters of baptism. We are given a new start. It's symbolic. Peter says that the water operates in a different way now because we're the ones that go into the water. Of course, we go in, don't we? Glorious moment. And then we come back up again and... And we, and we think, don't we, of, of, of dying with Christ and being raised with Christ. We show our separation from the world and our commitment to God. We have great baptism services, don't we? Brilliant. Okay, so just to be clear, <laughs> Peter isn't saying that baptism saves us. In the sense that as long as we're just baptised, you know, I need to be baptised and I'll be all right. No, you won't it's not just about baptism it's just using baptism here for the the bigger picture it's just using a part to explain the whole and it's the whole that matters and we see that because he says doesn't he if we trust jesus we should be baptized not because it cleanses peter makes clear here but it's a step that shows a clear conscience towards god how do you get that how do you get a clear conscience towards god i mean I think the world are crying out for this clear conscience towards God to be declared not guilty so that in our minds we can think before God I'm forgiven how do we get that through trusting the death of the Lord Jesus in place of our own that's how we get that isn't it exactly how we get that clear conscience God will forgive us he will cleanse us of all sin when we look to Jesus and then we can take the step of being baptised. That's what he does. There's a lot there, isn't there? I know there is. I can hear the dog back again in the background. Things are going a bit mad here. Um, but let me just try and sum all this up. Hopefully you've got it, what, what Peter's trying to teach in, in, in this chapter, because it's been a real encouragement to this, for me this week. I've got to tell you that as I've been looking at it and studying it and thinking about it, it's given me a, a fresh hope people can be called out of a hostile culture 
to come to Christ and to trust in him. And be baptised as a sign of that glorious, forgiven, clear conscience towards God. What then happens is that we do not need to fear the culture or the threats of the culture. We can overcome by revering Christ as Lord in our hearts. And in a hostile culture, we can proclaim the gospel by being prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, making sure that we do it with gentleness and respect. God bless. We're going to sing and then we're going to pray as the words come up at the end. And I, hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.